Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at capitalchurch.co. not the lead pastor. I don't have seven kids, but I was with 125 kids for a week. And I got a feeling of what Pastor Chris must feel like every single day of his life. And uh, I was with high school kids. And high school kids are different. I'll brag real quick though. We had, and I guessed it. I was just guessing a number and I did a really good, a really fair preacher guess at the first service, I said 40 kids got baptized. And I think there's 36 kids. And there's actually 127 kids up there. I said 125. So we're, we're really accurate. So you can, you can trust the accuracy today, okay? But in, in the cults that we're in, come on, think about it. Like we're in something pretty significant if 40, almost 40 kids at 7.30 in the morning their last day of camp before they have breakfast and decide to go off to the Whitewater Park and have a good time, that they're going to they're gonna make a public declaration that what God's done in their life is real, it's genuine, it's lasting, and that Jesus is the very center. And they get baptized in Lake Cascade. I don't know about you. If, if that doesn't move you, I don't know what else is, you know, is going to move you. Kids saying yes to the promises of Jesus for their life. And, and we had them up here. And I just, I'm telling you, I don't... I don't know how they were at home all last year, but I do know how they were over the last three and a half days. And you saw uh, their hearts being transformed by the power of Jesus. And I, I think it has to do with their hunger. I think it has to do with the culture that they're living in. They're not, they're, they're not satisfied with mediocre. They're not satisfied with just, just getting by. They want a real, genuine experience with the presence of Jesus. I hope today you are the same. You want a real, genuine experience with the presence of Jesus. These camp moments, they are long-lasting. They don't last just for the season of summer. I believe what God does in moments like that will last for a lifetime. People, they reprioritize. They take what they thought was not significant, Jesus. They take him from the margins, and they place him right in the center of their life. Say, whatever you want me to do, I'm all in. They're making those claims at age 16, at 15, at 14. We had a great junior high camp last month. God is doing something significant. And what I love about it, it's, it's his presence, but it's also amazing people that help pour into the life of those kids. People like our, our youth pastor and the incredible team. People like, we have the best cooks. We have cooks that they, they cook food and they intercede at the same time. We have, we, have, we have families that come up and they bring boats, not just so that they can entertain the kids, but so that they can be in proximity with these kids so they can get a look at what it looks like as an adult to live for Jesus. And so it, you, you can't do it outside the community that we have here. I'm so grateful for all those, you that gave, you that support, you that continue just to bring your kids to church when you just want to rip your hair out. I get it. But you just keep showing up and you keep bringing them to the right place. And guess what? It's not if, it's always when. The presence of God will overwhelm their lives and hearts. Amen? And I get it. 
High schooler, I can connect with junior high kids, no problem. And anyone who's retired. You get me a, a diner and a coffee, I can sit and talk with some of the, the, the oldest of people on the land, and we can, we can have connection. High schoolers, though, man, they're tricky. They're built different. They're, they think different. You know, sometimes I just, when they're talking, and I'm observing them because they're a fascinating group of people. It's like my dad has the, the, the saying, it's like a cow staring at a new gate. You're like. And I'm trying to get what they're saying and the lingo they're in. I'm like, I'm not that far removed. But I'm enough removed. Like, and, and I love high schools. I got two of them that live in my home. Um, and so it's the same. I'm like, oh, what did you mean? What does that mean? Right, so I'm trying to learn like what built different means and no cap, and I try and throw it in a throw it in a sentence, and it's just it doesn't. Where they're like, no, Dad. I was talking to a barista the other day, trying to explain to her the lingo of our culture around us, and she's like, "You've got to be kidding me." They say no cap. I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's 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 not even the tip of the iceberg. Their communication is on a whole nother level." Um, and so you just kind of you're forced just to stop and like, huh. But one thing, I love a lot of things about it. One thing I love about the high school age is their capacity to dream is crazy. I love uh, asking them that their names and then asking what grade. And then if they say seniors, I'm like, all right, what, what, do you, what are you gonna do with your life? Like, what, what do you, and they go right into it. They talk about their goals. They talk about the dreams. They say stuff like, oh, I'm gonna double major in poli sci and economics and I'm gonna get a minor in marine biology because I have a passion to influence the federal city, the U.S. dollar, and the ocean floor, right? So they're like, they want to cover it all. Okay, how are you going to fund that? Easy, thought it through. I'm going to get a series of uh, some land, and we're going to get windmills, and they're going to fuel these power banks. They're going to run these miners that are going to create this new cryptocurrency that we're going to use that's going to have a very low environmental impact, and that's what's going to fund the research that we're going to do. And we're going to influence Washington, and we're going to save dolphins all at the same time. You're like, wow, you've thought this through. And then you ask anyone 40 and over, like, what your goal and dream is, like me. Like, my goal and dream is just to get to 4 o'clock today so I can go home and take a nap. It's a big dream. Like, 20 minutes, 90 minutes, just, that's the dream that I, that I have right here. God help us. But I do love it. I love their capacity to dream. I love their capacity to be able to see potential of of future. And the reason why I had Mary read for us out of, Ex or out of uh, Genesis 37 is because I love the story of Joseph. We know he was a high school kid. We know he says he was 17 when he was taking care and helping in his father Jacob's business of shepherding uh, in this sojourning that Jacob and the family is on. We know he's the, the 11th son to Jacob. We know there's something special about him. And I don't think it was because uh, Jacob decided to not clothe his other kids or not feed his other kids. I don't think it was a love problem from Jacob. It wasn't about uh, he didn't love his other boys and he loves Joseph only. I think what makes Joseph stand out, and when you read through chapter 37 all the way through the end of the book of Genesis, you see that what made Joseph stand out as a young man was his incredible 
character that was forged and formed at a young age by his relationship with the king of the universe. We see that, that Yahweh meant something deeply and rich to this young man. He was, he was high and solid and strong in character and moral integrity. And I, I think that's actually what made him stand out from the rest. As, as, a, as a young man as sent to attend and take care, I, I love, he was, he was sacrificial. He wasn't thinking about what, what he's going to become and what he's going to do. He's really concerned with the business uh, and the influence of his father. And while he was serving his father, it just so happened that God revealed to him a couple dreams. And in his adolescence and in his excitement, he began to share those dreams and began to share those dreams with his entire family, and they were all shocked by it. I love what Jacob says. Jacob says he, he carried what Joseph said. He carried it close to his heart. He's thinking that there's something that he's saying and speaking that he's seen that is going to one day be a reality, but right now there's some unknowns to it. The audience of his brothers, because they were so just riddled with, it goes beyond just competition, because you can be competitive and still righteous at the same time. I saw that at Faith Heights this week. Um, but you also can be competitive, and you can be malicious, and you can hold contempt in your heart. It's, it's amazing what happens when a dreamer comes into the room, and he's uh, welcomed, or not even welcomed, he comes to the room and it's a bunch of people that are just riddled with sin and guilt and wickedness on their own part. Every time it happens like this, they don't accept the dream. They want to say, if I can get rid of the dreamer, then I can go back to kind of pacifying how I feel right now. And this is the story of Joseph. We see that he gets this dream and it's, it's prophetic in nature. It's future telling. It's talking about something that he doesn't even fully know at the moment. But it does have uh, an involvement that he, one day there's going to come a time in his life that he's going to be he's going to be a person of authority and influence. And so we see as his brothers see him as he was sent by his father to check on the livestock and where the brothers are at. He comes to check in on them. It says that he gave an evil report to the father, and it wasn't because he was bad-mouthing them or it was not a character assassination. They were doing bad things. They were in a wrong place. They weren't even where they were supposed to be shepherding, if you read through the account here in Genesis. They were somewhere else. They're outside the land that uh, their father had uh, told them to be. Reports sent back. We see that he comes and checks on them again, and this is when they see and we read it, that they saw the dreamer coming from afar as he's making his way closer. What are they doing in their heart? They're premeditating uh, murder against him. They don't kill him, but what they do, they do is they, they take this, this robe that represented authority. It represents um, the, the favor of God on him that his father made for him. They take that and they throw their sibling, son 11, into this pit. And then they take that robe and through other series of events, number one, they, they're crazy. They're psychos because they like have dinner or lunch. They chuck him in the pit and then they have decided like, let's sit down. He's down there. Let's just have, let's, let's have lunch. If, if that's your mindset, you're really close to being a psychopath. But then Joseph's not a Marvel character. 
And I think we've got to be careful when we read the characters in the Old Testament that we kind of like, oh, there's something extra special about them, hard to relate with. No, it is someone who has feelings and emotions, and he's, he's put his best forward as a young man. And here he's being robbed of a relationship with siblings. He's being robbed now of a close relationship that he's had with his father. Uh, he nearly escapes death. He gets thrown into this pit and he's sitting there in this pit probably considering, okay, what are those dreams all about? Like what, why is it that righteous living has led me to this pit? Why is it that being a moral exemplar and why is it that uh, being a person of character and sound judgments has led me to, to this place? And I want us just to consider in the few moments that we have this morning is um, when it comes to blessing, I think sometimes it, the, the the road to blessing or the way to blessing doesn't always feel like blessing. Like sometimes the way and the road to blessing feels more like forgetting. I don't know if you can relate, but my prayer today is like, I'm still kind of in, in camp mode, so you, gotta, you just gotta go with it. Um, we had 125 plus kids that, some came with dreams. Others, at that moment, in this last week, it's like God was downloading into them the possibility of what could be uh, as they just grab hold of the promises of Jesus. And I, I feel the same even in this room, that there's dreams that are here that you feel like in your life um, there's been more forgetting than remembering. And you're, you're asking yourself, and maybe even asking it out loud in your own time, like, God, where are you? I mean, I thought this is, this is what you promised for my life, and now I find myself all alone, betrayed by people closest to me. I'm in this place that was not of my choosing. Not only not that, now I'm being grabbed out, and I'm being caravan to a foreign nation. I'm going back into, I'm going into Egypt, uh, and now I'm part of a household. He goes from several vignettes in um, Genesis chapter 37 forward is you see that Joseph is in a pit betrayed by his brothers. And then from there, he's moved into Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, this is what I love. You can follow it. The same thing that his father Jacob saw in the young man, this high school kid, the favor of the Lord and the moral integrity that he walked in, you see this guy Potiphar sees the same thing and then he gives him permission and he gives him room to have access and or, uh, organization and he begins to administrate the entire household of Potiphar. But then there was a problem because Potiphar's wife was a cougar and she went after his 17-year-old kid And she grabbed for him. Think about this, though. This is, this is what a stud Joseph is. He's in a foreign land. He's in a stranger's household. He has no father accountability. He has no youth pastor with him. He has no peers that are pushing and pointing him towards the success that only could be found in serving Yahweh. He could have done anything he wanted to. He could have taken advantage of Potiphar's wife, but I love the moral integrity of this man. And this is how he looks at it. A sin against you would be a sin against God. So it wasn't about what can I get away with. This is about, no, if, if I transgress here, it's not just against Potiphar's household. It's against God himself. That statement alone, you read through that, you see, oh, I see what's happening. Even in his misfortune, 
even in him being taken away from family and father and relatives and relationship and home and his property, personal property has been stolen and he's been forced into a place not of his choosing, outside of his power, outside of his control. He still, as a young man, has the mindset that as for my life, I'm gonna center my focus on, on God, knowing that God's got me all the way through. We see that he goes from there. Uh, instead of being killed, instead of being um, uh, destroyed, as uh, Potiphar's wife tells him of these false allegations, uh, we see that Potiphar could have killed him, but you also realize that it looks like Joseph walked in favor and there was a friendship that formed. Instead of being killed, he put him to prison, which is a form of grace for him. It's better to be in prison alive than, than dead. And then in prison, what Jacob recognized, what Potiphar recognized, the jailer recognizes. And he, he realized that this is a guy, he's a, he's a little bit different. Uh, there's something unique about him. And what does he do? He then, as a prisoner, treats him as an officer and he begins to take care of and oversee the other inmates in prison. And he meets two characters. And these two characters, uh, one later goes on to die a horrible death. The other goes on to forget Joseph. They had a good conversation. Joseph was interpreting uh, some of the dreams there. They go on, uh, they leave, they get, they, they get bonded out, they're out of prison, Joseph stays in, here's the dreamer who was betrayed by his brothers, his dad thinks he's dead, a poor goat got killed in this whole process, by the way, a poor little innocent goat that did not have to get killed, but it, it, they, they killed this goat, why? To cover up their lie. I look at that, you might think it sounds silly to me, it just shows you, when you cover up a lie, when you fabricate something, there is innocent life that is in jeopardy as a result, and they do this. They kill this poor goat, they take the blood from the goat, they smear this robe in it, they return back to Jacob and said, sorry about your 11th son, uh, he, a wild beast devoured him. And now, not only is it an infraction on, on Joseph, but now it's this, it's an infraction upon the father. He's left thinking that the son of his beloved wife, Rachel, who was barren, uh, who had a miracle happen where God opens her womb and she gives them this, he gives them this son. His name is Joseph, is no longer. Joseph thinking, the, the, he's, he's painting over both in pit and prison. Think about it, because he's human like us. He's painting over the thought that he's now away from the people he loves most. He's betrayed by the people he loves most. He's, he's in a place outside of his control, outside of his circumstance. What is he going to do? God, God, where are you? But you see that throughout this whole narrative, you see that in the, in the midst of whatever has been taken, and there's a lot that was taken, you see that God just shows himself faithful time in and time again. See, here's the reality that God never, not for one moment, left or removed his presence from Joseph. I think we gotta be careful with this because this has been sometimes just even in my own life, I've had to learn this sometimes the hard way. I think we have to be careful not to mistake like silence for absence. There's times that God will be silent, but just because he's silent doesn't mean he's not present and that he's not working. I think oftentimes he's just doing what he does and no one else can do it. So what is conversation with you going to do? Are you going to make him consider something? I'm not saying we don't pray, but I think, I think sometimes we, we want to help brainstorm with, with God. 
I think sometimes he allows silence to set in and it really brings what's deep inside of us to the surface. It really, it really brings into sometimes question, okay, what, what do we really consider to be our, our saving grace and our foundation when life doesn't make sense, when things are a mess around us, when things have been taken from our lives personally, from your life, when, when there's uh, issues within our world and day that are outside of control, what, what are you gonna do? What's your, what's your go-to? I think Joseph is a, a beautiful example of uh, what we're to do as followers of Jesus, uh, whether we've experienced circumstances that have been outside of our, of our control. Um, I think a key passage is, and I know this for sure, is Genesis 39, verse 2. And it reads that the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. In the midst of the unknowns, in the midst of all these circumstances outside of his control, Genesis 39, 2 says the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. We see even towards the end as things are starting to make more sense. He's now no longer, think about it, pit, he's not in prison, he's out of Potiphar's house, he now has, has the ear of Pharaoh because he was remembered. There's a guy in prison. He's good at interpreting dreams. How does he do it? Well, the, his God, Yahweh, he, he speaks to him and he reveals things. You got to know this guy. And so this is crazy. You have a Hebrew shepherd who the Egyptians hate now being prime minister of Egypt, second in command. So he goes from being betrayed by his brothers and their thought is, oh, we're going to kill the dreamer. And when we kill the dreamer, we'll shut him up and we can just get back to living life for ourselves, how we want to. And the dream doesn't have to bring conviction to us anymore. We can get rid of him. Didn't work. He went from pit to prison, Potiphar's house, prison. Now he's in the administration of Egypt as this prime minister, second in commands. I think God's setting some things up. And I'm, I'm sure of this. I'm sure that God is a, I don't know what the scores are in chess. I'll have to ask Kendrick. Uh, but I, he, he's a master chess player. Because you see all these moves backwards. And if we're not careful, we think the moves backwards means defeat or loss or being forgotten. Really, they're setups, hear me now, for future events. Why? This is what I love about Joseph. Hear me now. He is the great-grandson of who? Yes, Father Abraham. He is the, his grandfather is who? Isaac. What happened to Isaac? Yeah, Mount Moriah. He almost died, but he himself in the last moments Witness as a young man in his early 20s the provision of the Lord. So all these stories of faithfulness, all these stories of divine setups go from one generation to the other generation to the next generation. Joseph is rich with testimony and story, and so he's sitting in prison looking up, thinking this is betrayal, this hurt, I'm broken, but I know God's gonna get me through this. He's in Potiphar's house, false accusation, goes to prison, hear me now, and he's thinking, I've been forgotten by man, but I know that Yahweh does not forget. It's all about timing. I remember what Abraham, my great-grandfather said. I remember the stories of Isaac, and I know the faithfulness of Jacob as he served Yahweh, and they've been imprinted on my heart and in my life. What did he do? When things were taken from him, I'll tell you what it is. He held tightly to the promises of God. 
He held tightly to the promises of God. Knowing that God spoke it, God is faithful to performance. He, he lived out what great-grandfather Abraham demonstrated. He lived out what it is to be loyal to God, even, even if it cost you your life. Where is he? We've, Pastor Chris has mentioned this. We've, he's, he's in Egypt. He's in Baal land. So that means that serving Yahweh in a foreign land could cost him his life. But what does he do? He doesn't shy away from his convictions serving God. We see then that not only is he loyal to God, even if it costs him his life, but he trusts God no matter what. He, he amens. He, even if it doesn't make sense, he says, in this moment of uncontrollable circumstance, I'm choosing to be loyal, even if it costs me my life. I'm going to trust Yahweh, even if it doesn't make sense. I'm going to live out the example of my great-grandfather as Sedekah Mishpat, this righteousness and justice, and I am going to look to Jehovah as Jireh, provision, and not going to look within myself. I'm not going to try and manipulate. Hear me now real quick. He was not in the pit yelling up at them saying, I'm innocent. What are you doing? He wasn't trying to justify himself. We don't read that in the narrative. It's like he foreshadows someone that I hope we're all are going to be all acquainted with. It's like he foreshadows Jesus. It's like he's the silent sufferer in the pit. He could have pleaded a case down there. He could have called on Yahweh now, 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 but he doesn't. He he rests in the understanding that, that, that God, is, God has him. He, he could have pouted and moped and complained. And he could have lashed back in Potiphar's house and told Potiphar what he, probably the truth about the wife. Uh, he, he could have slandered her. He could have set up and postured a defense against her. But he doesn't. He quietly goes to the prison. He could have moped and complained and told everyone in the prison that he's innocent. And they're like, yeah, we all are. Yeah, but, but no, he, he was quiet. And not only was he quiet, this is what I love. What did, what did he do? He served Potiphar, and he did such a great job that he's given all this responsibility. I was thinking about this. I, I don't know what, like, I think pretty good locally. I love this church. I think we, we have a good testimony here. I think all of us can... It can increase a little bit. Like, but like globally is, is God's church. I don't know what our testimony is when we, when we suffer. I don't know what our testimony is when, we, when things come against us. And I'm convicted by studying the life of Joseph and thinking, man, his testimony was, even in the midst of uncontrollable circumstances, he served Potiphar in a way that excelled. In prison, what does he do? He serves the prisoners. What's he, he's, it's this self-giving love. It's like, whoa, you... You're obviously connected to the king of the universe. When he had opportunity to retaliate and have his entire family destroyed when they came to Egypt because of the famine, and they didn't know who he was, like it's this beautiful turnaround story. You don't think he had a moment? Oh, he had a moment. He had a, he, all these flashbacks of what they did to him and how they betrayed him, and now he has the power second command in Egypt, he could just eliminate their life. He could only save Benjamin, his younger brother, and he could save Jacob, his father. But he understands that this is not the way of God. And he recognizes, and I read it, and, and I'm going to read it in Genesis chapter 45 here. He recognizes, he says this. It says, for God sent me before you to preserve life. That's what he says to his brothers. 
Like, I don't know. Like, when it comes to reconciliation and relationships and homes and families here, I don't know. I wonder if we could say something. It's God who sent me before to preserve life. And God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant on the earth and to keep you alive for many survivors. I mean, this is, this is a young man who has been trained by the presence of Jesus, tre- presence of Yahweh. We say, so it was not uh, you who sent me here, but God says, he has made me a father to Pharaoh, the Lord of all his house, ruler over the land of Egypt. You just see the tone of these verses. It's like the apostle Paul in Romans chapter eight, verse 28, where he makes it abundantly clear for, for all the readers that hear that God's in charge and his purposes, they're, they're final and complete uh, all the way to the end. We see that in Philippians chapter one, verse 12, we see that Paul explains that his imprisonment and the acts that were committed against him were there to serve to what? To advance the gospel, not to punish, not to restrict. All those moves that Paul experienced and Joseph experienced and Jesus beautifully demonstrates on the cross by not defending himself, but saying, I'm gonna take and absorb all of the sin, all of the brokenness, all of this demonic weight of humanity. I'm gonna take it on me. I could defend myself, but my way of defending myself is I'm gonna give myself as a ransom for many, meaning through my suffering, through my pain, through this backwards move, I'm gonna make a future move that's gonna safeguard and rescue not just a few, but all of humanity. You see that in the life of Joseph. You see that in the life of Paul. You see that clearly and perfectly demonstrated in the life of Jesus. So, with all that said, I think my question for us is, what do we do when things are taken? What do we do when, I ask you the question, what do you want to do with your life? Like, what, what are your dreams? Like, oh, well, one, they, they used to be, this, this, and the other, but what happened? Oh, how, how much time do you got? Are they still your dreams? Oh, I mean, I, I don't know if there's, there's time left. I'm here to tell you today that God knows you inside and outside. He knows every little detail of your life and my life. And the Bible reveals that he's the author Right, he's the perfecter. He's the beginning. He serves in both margins of the story. He's the beginning and he's the the full, complete end of it. And I'm here to tell you tonight: if if 38 kids are getting baptized and saying yes to Jesus, and 125 of them are just all in, and they're dreaming right now, I want to be a part of a church. And I want to I want to live my life in such a way that instead of seeing them coming and trying to knock them down to size and managing their dreams and their expectations uh, through our prayer, come on, and through faith that is in Jesus, we begin to cheer them on and say, come on, yeah, 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 I love that, yeah. Federal city, ocean floor, affecting the economics of our nation. Yeah, go, f- what else, what else? Well, I, I, like, been really praying, like, praying that my dad's never, uh, he's, he's, he's He's never said yes to Jesus. Oh, I love that one. That's, that's the best one. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's, no, 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 stop. If you can take on the federal city, if you can help the little dolphins, you can help the U.S. dollar. Let, let, oh, guess what? Do you know that your dad was a thought to, to Yahweh before he's ever thought to you? I don't know. I, 
I had a minute and 42 seconds. Where, where are the dreamers at? There you go, Goose, stand up. Thank you. Where are the dreamers at? Yeah, DMAC, come on, stand up. Crying out loud, sitting there, smiling at me. Dreamer. Evans, I love you. Dreamer, all the way from Kenya. Just watch this for a minute. We're camp mode here. Just close your eyes for a moment. Dreamers, put your hand on your heart. Yeah, God, thank you. Lord, the dreams that you placed in the heart of those standing are yes and amen. Lord, nothing is impossible for you. We can't dream big enough to where we're like, wow, I've never thought of that. You, you, you don't do that. You're the one who, you authorize it. You create it. You, you instigate it. You, <laughs> you take us down those roads of blessings that don't feel sometimes like roads of blessings. They feel like forgetting, but then we realize, oh, you're always with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. And these are all just beautiful setups and Today, I thank you for these dreamers that just right away, they, they grabbed in faith and they stood. And I thank you, God, that uh, today that you would just even spark new energy, new life, where there's been parts of the story of God in their life that had been not clear. Thank you for bringing that into to focus, where those, there's been things that have just been kind of in question. God, you don't have to answer the full story today, but I'm asking that you would, you would, you would speak to parts of it in the name of Jesus. Where are those who you used to dream, and this is, this is not to embarrass anyone, but you, you used to dream, but because of variables of life, because of crazy brothers, figuratively speaking, because of things against you, you just stop. But just in this moment, you're just like, I, I got to grab hold again of the promises of God. Where are you at? If that's you could, you, could you just stand? All over the place. I love it. Why? Because you're never too late. You're never too late. My mom was here first service. A month ago, they said, hey, Char, it looks like your lungs are at 50%. You're going to have to look like, consider a lung transplant. She called me. She's like, babe, this is what they told me. She's like, but I just, I know, I know, I know, I know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he, he said, I'm getting new lungs. And I got off the phone. I'm like, whew, okay. She either heard that and it's going to happen. Or that's just kind of hope management. But if she heard it, it's a done deal. So then I'm at camp, and she calls me. She's like, babe, you got to, she's like, you won't, you won't believe this. She's like, I got a call last night from, from the doctor, same doctor, 9 o'clock p.m., and he could only get so excited, but he's like, Char, went from 50%, there's this autoimmune disease that they diagnosed her with. Looks like she'd been smoking marbles, you know, for 90 years. Um, and they said, 
I need you to go off all of oxygen in the daytime and just do one liter of oxygen at night. She's been in a wheelchair because of it's affected how she walks. When I was with her in St. Luke's months ago, and she's there for a long time, she would walk eight feet, and that was her PT, and she was completely exhausted. I'm like, we've got to get Marshall Weber in here. Uh, but even that, he, he would at that moment only been able to get her to walk 10 feet to where oxygen's completely depleted. Why am I sharing that? Well, I think when you have a, a testimony to tell and share, you, you got to share it right in that moment. And it's not a testimony that just the good character of Shar got her, her better. It just shows what happens when you just choose not to give up and you choose not to trust in yourself. You trust in the one who's got you, who knows every detail. Even though there's backwards moves, watch what he does in in the future. Mark is hosting. This guy standing here, my goodness. There's miracles all around, that's what I'm saying. And I don't wanna get so trivial that we're just like focused on things that don't really matter. Wasting all our time focused on things that don't matter when we could be opening the good book here. Okay, what are your promises to me? What's the yes and amen of scripture? What have I just rolled my eyes at and neglected because I thought it would be for Roger, but not for me? No, stop it. Every word in here is written for your life and for my life. And the promises of God are yes and amen. Whether you're a high school kid that I just kind of stare at and don't quite get. I shared that with a friend of my son's. We'll call his name Jack. He's a sophomore. We'll call his last name Crin. He says, yeah, I think the same way about old people. I'm like, I get that. I get that. But whether you're on Jack's side or my side, no matter what age you are, the promise of God, had, there's, not a, there's not an expiration. God can work more than you could even ever know. I'm done. I'm getting off. If you could, could you all stand with me? We're going to go into this worship song. This is what I want you to do. This is what we did at camp. Like, I can't put dreams in you. No one can. Only, only your father who's in heaven who radically loves and cares and does it all the time. I just wonder if you could be so bold to say, okay, as I'm worshiping, God, I'm, I'm grabbing hold of your promise once again. Be honest. Like, I've, I've let go. I've, I've doubted so much so that I've just kind of not even... There's so much dust on that dream, I've even considered it for a long time. I'm believing today there's things that are sparking that those dreams that you've forgotten about, even if you're like, I feel nothing, preacher, cool. I've heard nothing, awesome. You watch, you'll be driving down the interstate and one of you is gonna start crying on the eastbound commute because God's gonna remind you of what he told you a long time ago. And you're gonna have to pull over at an exit you never intended to pull over at and you just watch. You watch what God's gonna do. Some of you, you're gonna get a flat tire like Jennifer Chow, who helps in our kids' ministry. And you're gonna find yourself a late night. It's dark and raining, and you're asking God, where are you? Do you love me? Do you have anything for me? I got a stinking flat tire. And then two facility guys are gonna walk out of this church, and they're gonna walk up to you and say, hey, can we fix your tire? He said, yeah. And then they're going to talk to you. They're going to ask you questions. They're going to share the story of Jesus with you. You're going to give your life to Jesus. And you're going to marry an incredible man. And you're going to have these great kids. And you're going to serve in the mission department at Capitol. Like, come on.
as they lead us in this song, all, all I want you to do, don't worry about what they're singing. They'll sing for you. You take a moment, this next 45 seconds, and say, okay, God, what is it? What have I let go? Or maybe you're like, no, I haven't let go. I'm still dreaming. Like Goose and Kelsey, we're, we're still dreaming. We got, there's bigger things in the tank. He's like, oh yeah, you thought that was big? Watch this. And just uh, let, let the Lord, come on, open, expand your vision inside for what he wants to do. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.